Well, welcome again to Real Life. It's really, um, who doesn't love Peyton Manning commercials? He's really funny. Um, Tonight, as you may have noticed, we're going to be doing the third talk in our series called Foundations. And tonight, I'm going to be talking about the topic that God is for you. And, you know, I think as someone who really loves verbal affirmation, I think I would really love it if someone like Peyton Manning followed me around and was like, good job, all the time, even when I messed up. And, of course, it could be problematic because he's pretty famous, but I think it would be really great. Um, And, you know, I think in general, most of us want a cheering section. We want to know that people are on our side and in our corner. Um, I grew up uh, with a lot of experience in that. I spent a lot of time on stage. From very young, I took ballet up until high school and was in a youth ballet company. And then I studied voice in high school, so I was performing a lot and in musicals. And then I ended up um, pursuing a degree where my main instrument was vocal performance. And so I spent a lot of time on stage. And, you know, for the most part, I can't remember a time where my parents weren't there, where they weren't supporting me, where they weren't for me at every performance. And I even remember when our company, ballet company, toured in Canada, my parents made the trip. And they even brought like a little Christmas tree because it was over Christmas. And so we had a little Christmas in our little hotel room. It was really cute. I think my sister was a little irritated because I think she would have rather been home. But that's okay. That's a whole other story. Um, And so, you know, most of us, if you've been in any kind of competitive sport or anything that required an audience, you know what it's like when the person that is most important to you is there for you. And you also know what it's like when the person that you wish was there wasn't. Maybe some of you have grown up and you were doing things and your parents couldn't be there. Or maybe that special person in your life couldn't or didn't make it a priority. And even in the midst of the crowd, it still feels really lonely because even though they want the team to win and so you're Um, what you do matters, there's still not someone in the crowd who's looking specifically at you, cheering you on and wanting you to do your best. And tonight, um, as I think about God being for us, I think about what does that mean? Um, Does it mean that God is like Peyton Manning just screaming at us, good job, good job, or even when we're not doing a good job, because that's not probably reality. Um, Or is it something more? Um, And so tonight, I want to talk about that. And maybe for you, you might think, well, if you're here tonight and you um, have grown up going to church, you might be saying, I've heard that story a lot. I've heard that God is for me, and that's really great, but it doesn't seem to impact my life. But maybe you're here and you're thinking, God is for me, but I just failed my first midterm. And I'm already trying to figure out, how do I do that freshman forgiveness? Because this isn't going so well. And that professor that can't speak English, you're thinking, I can't even understand him, much less the subject matter. And maybe, as you're sitting in your room with your roommate, you're like, this is not how I saw this going. The people down the hall are like BFF, and you're like, oh my word, I don't ever want to go home. Maybe... um, 
that easy A isn't coming so easy anymore. You feel like you need to study all of a sudden. Well, some of those might feel like everyday occurrences, but then there might be some deeper questions. Is God for me? And if he is, what happened when my parents got divorced? Why wasn't he there? Or didn't it seem like he was there? Or how in the world am I going to pay for the rest of school now that my dad just lost his job? Or even a bigger question, why didn't you step in when my mom got cancer? These are all very real questions. And while I'm not going to talk tonight about evil or pain or why it happens, we're just going to accept the reality tonight that it does happen. And what does God want for us in our response? You know, I um, was sitting across from my friend Liz uh, in the coffee shop in June of 2005, and we were admiring her three-quarter carat diamond ring, and it was beautiful. And, you know, she was telling me the story of her fiancé. She and Brett had been best friends, and they started dating and felt like life was really at their fingertips. And so he was that fall deployed to Afghanistan, and they had been talking about the future. And they thought pretty sure they were going to get married. Well, while he was gone, they um, started to make plans for their wedding that was going to be that next November. And so she got a dress, they got a location, they got tickets to the honeymoon. And he even bought a ring and sent it to her dad so that it would be there so he could formally propose when he got home. Well, two months earlier, in March, he had been killed by a uh, landmine that his convoy had driven over. And so my dear, sweet friend Liz was sitting across the table for me, from me saying, this ring that prom- should have promised hope is now just something that is in his memory. And is God for me? And what does that mean? And I believe tonight that God is for you, whether it's that class that isn't going well or you feel like your world has been turned upside down. And so I want to look at that. And before we do, I would love for us to just pray and ask the Lord to teach us from his word. So would you join me? Well, Lord, um, thank you that Your word teaches us who you are, that your word gives us truth that we can bank on, and that you you want us to know you, to understand you, and to be able to live differently because of who you are. God, would you speak through me, and would you use these words to encourage us? And God, would you be the one that receives glory tonight? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, tonight, there's... um, one of my favorite scriptures that lays this out pretty, pretty clearly is Romans 8, 31 and 32. It says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Well, um, These verses are in response. If you can see, it says, what then shall we say in response? This is in response to the whole book of Romans and specifically even these verses right before where Paul is explaining all the benefits and all the blessings that come from knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
And so first, he's saying, God is the one who is for you. And it's important to have a clear and right view of God. I think in general, I think I have a clear view of God, but then something happens and I'm like, hmm, wait a minute, maybe, that, maybe not. I need to look at that again. And so for me, having a clear view of God, I'm constantly, as I read the word, making sure, is, do what, does what I believe about God really correlate to what's in the scripture. And so tonight, I would love to just read you some verses that might be familiar, and I'd love for you to just listen. Because this is what the Lord says about himself, and this is the picture that he's painting. He says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. How gracious he will be when he cries, when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. And the psalmist says of him, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. And the Lord says, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. These are attributes of God that we've been talking about some about God's power and about his sovereignty and his control. And we've been talking about his nearness that he lives in us. And these are attributes that are true of God, just only a few. But these are the ones that paint the picture of who God is. This is the God who is for you. And when I think of like, okay, God is for me, I think I can understand what that means. But is it like, woo, good job, go for it. You know, is he just kind of a back in the stands, hanging out, or is he in it with me? What does it mean? And so um, I, in my reading, was looking for um, more information on this, and I have a quote from um, an author, J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God. He lays out all kinds of things about God's character. It's a great book if you are looking for another book to read. Um, And this is what he says. The words, God is for us, is God's undertaking to uphold and protect us when men and things are threatening, to provide for us as long as our earthly pilgrimage lasts, and to lead us fully into the full enjoyment of himself, however many obstacles may seem at present to stand in the way of our getting there. The simple statement, God is for us, is in truth one of the richest and weightiest utterances that the Bible contains. What God is saying is that not only is he on our side and cheering for us, but he's committed to us. He's committed to providing for us and to ultimately protecting us, not necessarily from trials, but through trials. And nothing can mortally wound us. You know, I think I really want that to say, no trials will come. I really want that to say, Everything is going to be fine and nothing is going to happen to you or the people that you care about. But that's probably not reality of living in a world that's really messed up. Not probably, it is not true. Um, But what God is saying is something even more incredible. What he's saying is that I am not aloof. In fact, I am with you. In fact, I'm not indifferent, which is something that I've actually struggled believing a lot. Is God aloof? Is he indifferent? Does he care? 
I'm not a pawn in his game of life. He's not a dictator just wanting to control me. But in fact, he's a relational God. He's in the trenches with us. He's promised to never leave us or forsake us. And it looks maybe less like Peyton Manning and more like um, this father and son duo, Dick and Rick Hoyt. I have a picture of this billboard that you may have seen on the, on the uh, highway. Um, it says, Team Hoyt, Dad's been behind him for 65 marathons. I don't, this story is incredible, and every time I see it, I'm just like blown away. Because Rick, the son, was born with the umbilical cord around his neck. And so he, um, the doctor said he would never be able um, to function and that he'll probably just be a vegetable and needed to be institutionalized. Well, the father certainly didn't believe that and decided that he was going to do everything he could for his son. Well, as he grew, he learned that, in fact, he did have all of his cognitive faculties. And so they enrolled him in mainstream classes, and they even found someone to um, invent some sort of communication device so that all he would do is move his head, and he would be able to make words happen, however, however it works, and be able to communicate to his dad. Well, when he was in grade school... Um, there was a benefit race happening for um, another uh, rug, uh, friend who was a rugby player who became a quadriplegic from an injury. And so they were having a benefit race, and he said, Dad, I want to be in this race. While his dad said, okay, let's do it. So they ran this race in the contraption similar to what you see here. And afterwards, Rick said to his dad, you know, Dad, when I run, and when we run together, I don't feel like I have a disability anymore. And it says in the article that um, since that time, it's been um, about 40 years, and Rick and Dick Hoyt have completed over 65 marathons, 206 triathlons, and many, hundreds of other events as a father and son team. Dick ran, has ran, ridden, and swam literally thousands of miles to be with and to support his son. I think that is incredible, but I think it's only a glimpse of God's complete passion and commitment to you and me. There's something about this story that grips me, um, the lengths that his dad went to, to provide for his son, for just those moments while they were running, for him to feel free. It reminds me of God and how he saw us paralyzed by sin, unable to save ourselves or even begin to move ourselves closer to God. And he, in the verse um, that we looked at earlier, it says, he didn't spare his own son, but gave himself up for us so that we could know him. Like the father, God went to the limit and our greatest need is the need for a savior. Our greatest need is to be freed from sin and to have a relationship with God. And what Paul is saying in this passage is that if God met our greatest need, surely he will meet all the others. I have no doubt that if there was anything that father could do for his son, he would have done it in a heartbeat. 
And I think that is the posture that God has toward you and me. What Paul is saying is, how, how, how could he not meet your lesser needs, even if they don't feel lesser in the moment, when he's met your greatest need of all? It would be like if Steve Jobs were still alive and if his child said, um, Dad, I'd, I'd really like an iPad. Well, okay, if someone asked me if they'd really like an iPad, I'd be like, well, me too. Good luck with that. But with... In that scenario, it's like, sure, have a hundred. They probably do. They're probably shareholders and have like a hundred of everything. But it would be like a no-brainer, you know? It wouldn't even take an ounce from him to give it that. And I believe that God is saying, I'm not just asking you to believe that I'm for you, but in fact, I've proven it. What he said is, I have gone to the extreme limits for you. And he's saying, look what I did and know that I can do anything and everything else and I will do it for you. Um, and I love, that, I love that that is God's heart toward me. And sometimes that's hard for me to believe because sometimes my circumstances don't seem to really show it. And that's when I need to say, okay, God, even though I don't understand what you're doing, your word is true, and I can stand on it. Because if we don't embrace this truth, what begins to happen isn't pretty. We begin to think, well, maybe if I just perform well, um, and I can maybe manipulate God into giving me what I want, because if I just do the right things, like Emily was sharing earlier in her story, if I do the right things, I'm going to look good, and maybe I'll please God, and he'll give me what I want. Or um, maybe you begin to just become cynical and say, well, God, are you really for me? Is this really even real? Or maybe something that I struggle with is just fear, fear of the future. Is everything going to be okay? These are things that if we fail to embrace the truth of God, will make our foundation in him pretty shaky. But... If I embrace that God is for me, then the circumstances I'm facing no longer seem ultimate. That breakup that you just went through and maybe are going through doesn't become the end of the story. You can trust that God has a better plan for you. Or um, maybe you can experience comfort in the sense that, okay, my circumstance now isn't the end of the story. Um, and questions like, can I trust God? Will he come through and does he care? All of a sudden, now have an answer. Yes, an emphatic yes. I may not know how, I may not know when, but I believe that God will come through because he's given his ultimate. How will he not also with him freely give me everything that I need? And if you tonight have placed your faith in Jesus, if you've said, I need a savior, I know that I'm sinful, and I can't even begin to move myself toward God through my sin that paralyzes me. God is for you. And if you have tonight said, I place my faith in Jesus, then you can know that 100% for certainty.
And if tonight you're here and you've never done that, if, if you've heard that Jesus loves you and that, that he died for sin and it um, impacts something, but you're not sure what, tonight is, tonight, tonight is the night where you need to start that journey with him. And maybe you're here and you're facing a situation right now and you don't really know what to do and it seems like God is not even aware of it. Don't be tempted to perform for him. Don't be tempted to control things and to make it work out. Instead, depend on him because he is for you. Wait on his timing and trust in him. And maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, I'm kind of just fine. I don't, I mean, I don't really know how this applies to my life. Well, now would be the time to deepen your foundation. Because to be honest, it's a, it's a reality. None of us are exempt from pain or trials. And it gets real, real quick before you know it. And so... Now would be the time to deepen your foundation in him, to go to a small group, to go to fall retreat. Now would be the time to say, okay, God, give me what I need. Help me to know you in a deeper, more intimate way. Because God is for you, and he is with you. Let me pray for us, and we will keep going. God, thank you for this incredible truth that quite honestly we can't even wrap our minds around to know the implications of what it means that you're for us but lord i pray that you would take each one of us a step further in knowing and trusting in your truth and in experiencing your deep love your deep commitment and your deep passion for us to be in it with us to set us free and to walk this journey with us it's in jesus name we pray amen